0: If we do all this right, then we're going to sustain victory and we do it this way through extreme ownership. And what I love about this is people think, well, what a miserable way to do life. I'm not going to take accountability for this or this. I'm like, why? That's miserable. If we take ownership over ourselves, we have complete freedom. Good day and welcome to the Consultant Coach Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Josh. And hey, we a little Extreme Ownership today, my friend.
1: Ooh, extreme Ownership, getting yeah, after it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, one of the most popular books out there. And to this day, Extreme Ownership is the best audible version of any book I've ever heard.
1: It's great. I don't do a lot of audible and I loved it. It was pretty
0: fun. It is. It is. But hey, what's our devotion for the day?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for those of us who uh, are Christians and and if you hear this book, I think it's not hard to make the leap to the um, really the eternal perspective on love and and accountability that this book, I think, underlying concept sort of alludes to, even if it's not based in that. But John 3.16, For God so loved the world um, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I think it's this idea that... um, Extreme ownership, in, at its core, for those of us who are Christians, we can think about that as extreme love, right? And ultimately, that's what we see in in kind of perfect form in how we view our faith and who Jesus is. And so, this this resonates with people of faith because there's this recognition that um, we are called to be accountable as as God basically sent His Son to save us. Um, so it's so it's tied you know very closely into the faith in terms of the mindset and how
0: we. So if about anything, things. we see extreme ownership from God. Yeah. And he, he's like, hey, I am God, I am perfect, and I'm not going to wait on you to do this. I'm going to do the work myself. Yep. I'm going to send my son yep. to do it. Yep.
1: And we can't ever match that. But then the no. calling is to reciprocate that level of ownership, that level of love to God, but also to people around us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it so, resonates. It, closely with it, you think.
0: it, you know, whether or not you are a Christian or not, it does resonate as we talk about extreme ownership. And this is one of my favorite books. Uh, uh, such a favorite book. I made it one of the key reading material for all leaders in my private company that I'm CEO for. If you are a leader in our company, you have to read this book. If you are in business and you have any sort of responsibility, you have to read this book. It so resonates. And for myself, what resonated for me is I used to be like, there are all sorts of problems in business. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. so-and-so's <clears throat> problem. It's this problem. It's this problem. He would say, yes. Jocko... And Leif Babin, who, uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, who write the book, would say, absolutely, there are problems. They're talking about war in Iraq. But they're also in charge of all of their problems. Mm -hmm. You never read the book and say, hey, it's the president's fault. You never read, and hey, it's al-Qaeda's fault. You always see, hey, it's their fault, and this is what they can do about it, Mm -hmm. which is so empowering. Yeah. Well, and I think the other... I
1: mean, I'd be curious to know what your staff think about it, because I suspect it can cause one of two reactions. One is you sort of feel called to a higher level of authority, accountability, control. I mm-hmm. think it for a lot of people in our culture it rubs them off because oh, it does. I mean, we have a rampant problem of excuses in our culture, and and I found it to be um, not a frustrating book. But afterwards, it was sort of like you don't see something until all of a sudden it opens your... Like, you buy a certain kind of car, and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I heard this book on... You know, I was really thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, I started hearing excuses everywhere. 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 No one was taking accountability in terms of just a couple of days after I read it. That's extreme. But, so, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> what you're saying is if you like... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Do not read this book. <laughs> if you have a sense of peace in your head yes. all the time, you don't notice any problems, especially yes. at work. Do not read this book. The moment you read this book, you'll notice there are problems everywhere.
1: Well, and people don't take ownership for those problems. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't. There's just this complete like lack of discipline, lack of commitment, lack mm-hmm. of uh, ownership, lack. I mean. just Holy moly, I mean, and yeah, I hear it all now, the time now.
0: He has so many amazing stories, and I'm not going to repeat his stories because it would not do it yeah, justice. No. If you've never watched either of them, and this is why I said, if you're a reader, get the book, but listen to the audible version because you hear it in his voice, you mm-hmm. hear it in their voice is what goes on. Yeah, if yeah, you haven't yeah. seen him on YouTube, <laughs> go on to YouTube. And watch the man talk. One, one, like, hey, I'm glad he's on our team. Yeah, yeah. he is huge. And like, this is who I want. Is he big a big Na- guy? Oh, he's huge. He's a Navy SEAL. Yeah, I knew that part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, hey, th- this is this is the guy I want defending us. But two, <laughs> Good. with his stories, he'll go into, hey, there are no such thing as bad teams, only bad leaders. How many times have I ever said, oh, it's not my fault, it's my team's fault? Mm-hmm. He would say, no, it's actually your fault. Mm-hmm. Are you the leader? Well, yeah it's your fault. Yeah. You allowed it to happen. Yeah, And I really had to check myself there. What do you mean there's no bad teams? I know what I'm doing. I'm the most competent person on the team. It would be working perfectly if everyone worked just like I did. And they don't. Yeah. So therefore, it's their fault. He would say, no, it's the leader's fault. Yeah, what, that, That's so countercultural. What do you mean it's the leader's fault? The leader knows what they're doing. Why is it his or her fault? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's
1: it's it's the leader who ultimately, and again, it's not, I think the key is, it's not an objective is or isn't the leader's fault. It's the, around the mindset that that leader must have, that they are absolutely attempting to control everything in their sphere. So mm-hmm. it's not an objective description of who's at fault. Like it's not a, it's not a black and white answer of like, okay, there's six people here and number three is at fault, right? It's every one of those six people has to all have the mindset that if anything goes wrong, it is their fault, and they are doing everything to continue to improve, mm-hmm. right? And so it, re- it also takes a radical amount of trust, because you could have pretty abusive relationships if that oh, takes absolutely. place, right? You could have one or two who just totally bring down the rest because they refuse to have that mindset, mm-hmm. and if they don't get kicked off the team, then it becomes
0: a festering problem. Mm-hmm right because then you can get some codependent relationships oh very very much so and i love when he says no bad teams only bad leaders and he has a lot of good stories that basically hey here's one great team and one very mediocre or poor team yep. you take the leader oh, yeah. from the great team that was great onto story. the poor team mm-hmm. and it exceeded same sense of characters on both sides yep. and the poor team now is over over performing mm-hmm. the other team yeah and he goes, all I did was that they changed the leaders. Yeah.
1: Well, that, I mean, that, yeah, that speaks to volumes to the fact that leaders have an outsized influence. I mean, the, the other thing, actually, I liked what he talked about was um, the importance of sort of leaders knowing their influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked, I was thinking about that, actually. Was, I worked for a, um, basically helped oversee a medical group and in partnership with my boss, helped oversee 900 primary and specialty care docs. Right. And the man had plenty of good qualities, but he'd been sort of in the organization 30 years and had some very outdated management principles. Um, but what was most interesting was after 30 years, his complete lack of understanding his leadership influence. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that when he would walk into a room, even, and this guy was like as docile as I like. A, Friendly house cat. I mean, he was super, like, not ambitious, didn't have an ego, you know, great in that sense, right? Fit the organization well in that regard. But he didn't see or I had explained to him, I was like, you have to understand when people, you come in the room, people sit up straight. People get nervous. People Mm -hmm. are afraid of what you're going to, you have to be careful what you say because he, he just didn't understand his leadership influence. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who haven't been in those roles or they have the wrong personality for those roles really don't understand how to show up in the right way, right? Because leaders, either you can over-leverage on your influence and sort of really make people angry mm-hmm. or you can, you know, try to be too docile and too passive and sort of people then start reading into your words because you're not clear and you're not direct and you're not decisive and therefore people put words in your mouth because they want you to be decisive and they want you to be direct <laughs> and they want you to give feedback. So they're going to assume what you're telling them is, oh, he's, try, he's trying to say da 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 You know, be what you're saying at all. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's certainly, yeah, I've had that experience and I was thinking about that in this book when
0: I like, oh, okay, I remember that. You know, mm-hmm. that's huge it, it, And It's one of those things. As we take extreme ownership over ourselves, over our families, over our teams, mm-hmm. you know, what they're saying, Jocko and Leif, no bad teams, only bad leaders. But then... He gets into what's called the laws of combat, mm-hmm. and now I'm not—I I was never um, part of the armed forces, though I've had uh, relatives, friends that have been, and uh, assembly, f- several family members that have been. So I, I respect that and understand it. But he calls—you know—the laws of combat s- starting with covering and moving. You mm-hmm. know, you cover and you move. You cover and you move. And so here you have you know he he uses the story of Iraq you have there's no rules mm-hmm. you know basically what, what's going down into uh the city is that he's you know but you have to be able to cover and move so even though we've just started no bad teams only bad leaders he is using examples of what it looks like hey Josh you're going to go that way you're, we're going to go this way and they have a lot of success stories but a lot of Great mistakes that they made. Near misses. A really near misses. A lot of near misses. Or yeah. a lot of misses. Scary ones. Yeah. Frantically, people died yeah. because of mistakes. That's so one yeah. thing like, hey, if we, if we screw up in business, we lose some money. They yeah. they screw up. People perish. Talk about, yeah, talk about pressure. Um, So covering and moving, you know. Yeah, well, what I liked
1: about that chapter was, and, and this is actually one it was funny. It's funny, it, a couple times in the book, this was one of them where they would address something that I'd been thinking about, like... Trying to not be skeptical of the book, be like, "Well, how does this work?" But because one of the things a lot of uh, roles in consulting, especially in coaching, especially you would you would get this right. We do a lot of influencing and not mm-hmm. a lot of, um, not a lot of decision making, right? Because we work with the decision makers and we work on behalf of the decision makers and we give perspectives and opinions and uh, second opinions to the decision makers, mm-hmm. right? And they kind of have to make the decision themselves. You can't really force them, right? And I was, I was struggling with that thinking, well, how does this work in roles, either internal roles or, or consulting and coaching roles? And But then he sort of answered it here, right? As he talked about, you, you can't forget about the greater group, right? Because in, in, in that cover and move where right, he talks about how he sort of realized after he got back, while safely, he didn't actually rely on the other oversight watch group that's Mm -hmm. not the right term but the oversight sniper group to basically cover him getting in he didn't actually ask them to stay where they were which was a safer closer distance to the base and so that sort of reminded me of a lot of roles and opportunities i've had he tells a story about in business about a different company and, and kind of conflict between subsidiaries and they basically said well yes but you are owned by the same company so you actually are able to influence that one in some way and so that was interesting because I've had a lot of experiences trying to figure out how do you have an ownership mindset mm-hmm. when you're in roles that actually don't have any formal decision authority. Yeah,
0: because you might and say, hey,
1: I am just an employee. I am just an employee or I'm just an advisor
0: or I'm just, a, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy to put limits on yourself. It, it really is. And I would say, now I'm I, now I'm going to put words into his mouth. Yes, Laws of combat. I would say a law is we always use the term we. Now, whether it's your company mm-hmm. or you work for someone else, you use the term we, not me or I, or it's their fault. Yeah. We. And I, I go back to, you know, almost 20 years ago, I used to work for Verizon Wireless. Mm-hmm. I literally was just one of many. Yeah. I was a salesperson, but literally they had half a million employees from Verizon and Verizon Wireless, and I was just one of many and understanding it's still it was about me if you came in Mm -hmm. to buy a cell phone you didn't want to hear well it's someone else's fault no you were working with me and i literally felt like at that time verizon was my company and it was they paid for my paycheck right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of it's just understanding hey as we're covering and moving the laws of combat it is your team it is our team we are part of a team Mm -hmm. and that is why the U.S. military is the best military because it functions as one full cohesive unit.
1: Albeit large bureaucracy, as they
0: say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we all know there's problems, but still, <laughs> it works, you know, and we cover and move as well, an
1: entire organization. And I would say this, you know, speaking from a consulting perspective and having done both engagements as an individual and as a team, I learned early on from other people, I can't claim credit for this, but good consulting groups will and only will in front of you the client use the Mm -hmm. word we and if they ever don't use the word we don't work with them run um run run away and i can tell you a couple i mean i just had this example um recently i've got a client who i'm working with on a project i won't get into it we have basically a technology team building them a digital solution and it's going to be great but we've got major problems on the delivery side of the team Mm -hmm. um for lots of reasons and I won't get into those and I certainly won't give away the project but <laughs> or the client or any of the situation but what, in particular we had a, a, a member who um, was having trouble with their role and uh, I was on a client call my responsibility is, is working with the client exclusively and helping to basically pull out of them what they need helping to advise on what they're look, looking for and then translating that for the group so I'm just kind of key stra- strategy and, and kind of translator and there was this one particular instance where uh, one person had taken it upon themselves to do some analysis, which I'm okay. Um, wanted to join the call, I think they were having some trouble feeling um, undervalued and or unclear in their role and so they chose to get on the call and go I I I I I I I I I and I immediately <laughs> We got through that call and I told Called and talked to her boss and said, This is not happening again. Mm. Like, <laughs> we. So, we, 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 we. Um, absolutely. Because it's a team. It has to be a team. And it doesn't matter if one person did 99% of the work um, because it is a unified front, it has to be, or you completely ruin both the um, team dynamics mm-hmm. and you ruin the understanding of your client's perspective on. What you're bringing to the table what you're doing that you're maybe delivering different messages or that you're not unified and and that just creates the wrong dynamic so um it's very important and not to be some something to be
0: not something to be underestimated Mm -hmm. and from a coaching perspective one of the things i love about this book and i used to think you know coaching if you ever wonder what's the difference in coaching and consulting consult coaching is really getting someone to understanding how their role in the process, as you know, and mm-hmm. you, it's the difference between I and we. And in a, in a coaching endeavor, when I'm coaching someone, a lot of people think, oh, you just need to tell, hey, go over there and you'll do it mm-hmm. this way. That's not it. It's about looking at yourself. What do I bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And that's why I like extreme ownership because it's literally what do I bring to the table? Right. Look at ourselves first. Any problems, what did I do? Yeah. And, that, and, that's
1: Even, a, and that's a good way to differentiate too. When you're talking about yourself, it's when you are reflecting and when you are trying to improve yourself mm-hmm. versus when you are communicating externally, it's almost entirely a we, especially when there's credit to be had. It's a we. Thank mm-hmm. you. We did that. We did that. You know, we, right. Versus I can improve. I can improve. I take
0: responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the book ends, you know, you know just great. Well, this is a huge, huge, quick overview of the book. Next podcast is on the business application, then followed up on life application. So we're going to come back to this. How does it apply to our business? How does it apply to our lives? But the two, Jocko and Leif, end with sustaining victory. So it's, if we do all this right, Mm -hmm. then we're going to sustain victory and we do it this way through extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this is people think, well, what what a miserable way to do life. No, absolutely not. They understand if we are disciplined, Mm -hmm. it ends with discipline equals freedom. And some people are like, I'm not going to take accountability for this or this. I'm like, why? That's miserable. If we take ownership over ourselves, Mm -hmm. we have complete freedom. And this is what they see. If anything, we're offering, hey, complete freedom by owning extreme ownership.
1: And I think that one thing to, it's interesting the book, it's hard to put words to, but there is... There is a risk, to the near term, to doing this, mm-hmm. right? Because they tell a lot of good stories about, you know, like he, in the beginning, he talks about how he took ownership in front of his superiors for that um, blue on blue, mm-hmm. right? And there's several other. And I thought about that, like those all turned out well because he had semi-functional people around him. Right? There are scenarios where you will take that accountability and someone will say, Great, you're fired.
0: Mm-hmm. Like there, there absolutely like
1: there are people who are gonna be happy to give you that um, credit and fire you because they don't have the extreme ownership themselves. So I think as we think about this discipline equals freedom concept, I think one of the things to remember, at least as I was reading through it and trying to think through, like there are people in the world who are gonna misuse and abuse your willingness to do this kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so When you do it, do it eyes wide open, I think, in the sense of you probably will gain respect and trust from people, but not always. No. Right? There will be times that someone will be happy to fire
0: you for this. And (laughs) as we work on our discipline, we we don't always lay out all of our dirty laundry in every single situation. There's a time and place for that. So in coaching, yep. this is why we have a confidential coaching engagement. So you can lay that stuff out. Mm-hmm. I am bound by secrecy of the con- and the contract. I'm not going to tell whatever you share to me in that coaching relationship. Yep. And, and it's, it's so you can grow in that area because we do know there are some bad people out there. If you lay out what's wrong, they're going to use it again against you. Yeah. Which is unfair because to really grow you have to have a base level of trust. And this is yeah. why when you hear stories of boot camp and all the stuff that they do in the military, it's to establish that base level of trust. Right. Because if you don't have that trust, how do I know you're going to cover me if we're going to flank, you know, flank who we're going against or here here you've got to work cohesively as a team. And I think this is also why you see a lot of former military they're great in business, absolute rock stars. Why? They understand extreme ownership, um, how to cover a move. Uh, you know, eventually discipline equaling freedom. They are amazing, amazing workers.
1: Yeah, well, and they they understand how to go and attack a problem, mm-hmm. right? They have a particular methodology that these guys uncover to some degree <clears throat> that helps. I think. Anyone who's been in the military, but other other particular um, experiences, I think there's there's also certain personalities who are prone to sort of be willing to do this, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain there's certain individuals who learn this easier than others. So the degree to which there's you know, I would say people listening to this, if you're really good at sort of attaching these concepts and building this accountability into your life, great, keep at mm-hmm. it. If you're not, get help, right? Get read this book. Get someone to coach you or give you reflection on where you're at with everything so that you can be better with the mindset, even if you don't have that military experience, you can be more thoughtful around this idea of extreme
0: ownership. Mm -hmm. And in in our organization, I would say about 15% of our organization are are veterans. And the cool thing, even though I've never served, they tell me so many stories and it's great. And they're like, Eric, this is how things are. Eric, this is what I learned here. And, And it's one of those things I thoroughly respect them. And they've really helped our organization out. And so you know, Jocko and Leif. I always say Jocko because he's like the big, you know, the big guy behind it all. But you know, Leif Babin wrote the book with him. You know, he even gets into decisiveness and uncertainty. What do we do when we're uncertain? So yeah. it's not just—it's kind of like what you talked about. Right. We don't always know what's going to happen. We have ideas. There are principles for success, yeah. but they even get into what happens if we're uncertain.
1: Yeah. And, well, and I think there's, again, this is where you have to sort of art and science meet, right? This is when I work with executives. It's, hey, here's the questions we can't answer, mm-hmm. and let's be honest about the questions we can't answer. Absolutely. And no amount of um, spinning the data for another 90 days is going to answer that question for you, and you just have to live with that uncertainty. And I like how he, he summarizes that so, so concisely, right? And helping people recognize the risks they can control, the risks they can't control, and mm-hmm. not and not over-indexing on those risks that you can't control. I mean, oh, absolutely. you can't control some of these things that, that happen, and so you just keep forging ahead with the information you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also actually talks about the importance of not deciding when you don't need to decide yet, mm-hmm. right, which is a
0: decision. And we're going to so, get into that next week yep. on the podcast, business application for Entree Leadership. So this this is a brief overview, hey, the book. Extreme so, ownership, not it, Entree Leadership, just... You're right. I was like, oh, we did that last week. Go back and check that one out, though. It, it, That's a good exactly. one, too. So, but on extreme ownership, got it. that time. Um, as we we'll book review, next time is how are we applying it to our businesses yep. in coaching, in consulting? So that is next week. Got good stories for that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. we, we are full <laughs> of stories on that. But in the meantime, until then, do it. Hey, this is one of the few books I would say buy the print b- version of the book. Yep. Get the Audible version, and yep. even get the Kindle. So this is one yep. of those things. This is so good. Get all three so you have it. Why can't you just make one
1: purchase and get all three?
0: I want to know that. That's a thought I had. Well, the nice thing on Amazon, they do give you a little discount when you get the I Kindle. and. Well, you should just be able to pay like 30, you should. 30 bucks and get all three. I mean, it should just be easy. Oh, but you got to, anyhow, another thought for another day. That's for our book. There you go. <laughs> But hey, in the meantime, hey, uh, reach out to us on the the com. comment on our YouTube link, any questions you have. Hey, how do you apply extreme ownership? Or what do you think about this? I disagree with this portion of the book. book. We'd love to hear. Yep. But anyway, until next week. Hey, thanks for listening to us. Take it easy.